This is the Vegetarian Zen Podcast, episode number 278. Hey there, Red Zeners. Welcome back to Vegetarian Zen, a peaceful place for vegetarians, vegans, and the veg curious to share tips for living a healthier plant-based lifestyle. I am one of your hosts, Vicki. And this is Larissa. Now, we have a very exciting episode today. We have a guest on the show. Her name is Dr. Toomey Johnson, and she is an integrative holistic medical doctor. We're going to get a little bit more into her certifications and background in a bit. But before we do that, let's get into our new rating. We do have a new rating, and I'm so excited. I'm always excited to read new ratings. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. We're still catching up. All right. So uh, this is from... Australia from Brooke Palf. And Brooke says, I have just started listening to Vegetarians and today, and that was on August 5th, today and love it. The ladies are very down to earth and easy to listen to. Their information is so helpful and easy to understand. What up, Brooke? Thank you, Brooke. Thank you for leaving welcome. Rating. Welcome to our community. And if you haven't done so already, check out our closed Facebook group which is the peas, peas and, and carrots. carrots. What up, guys? <laughs> At facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash vegetarian zen. You'll be hit up with three questions there. Please answer the questions because honestly, I delete people who don't answer the questions because there's so much going on right now with Facebook. These hoaxes, these spam things and all that stuff. So we have to make sure you're a real person, not a spammer. Uh, so please make sure you answer the questions. But uh, if you're, if, since you just found us today, that's why I'm letting you know about the community out there because it is awesome. It is. We call and it a no bully zone. Uh, I I just checked today because I was letting some more folks into the group, approving some more people. We're at a little bit over 2,600 people there. That's crazy. I remember amazing. when we were down, we were just in single digits. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like this will be cool. We'll get 20 people. It'll be fun. That's cookie talk. <laughs> All right, before we get into the uh, episode, today's episode is sponsored by the shop at Vegetarian Zen, where you will find some Vegetarian Zen, some fine swag. <laughs> Everything from car magnets, reusable shopping bags, stickers, t-shirts, they, those are in our shop. And proceeds we receive from the shop go directly back into the podcast. So your purchase, you can say, helps to support the show because it really does. It does. So it, also, if you sign up for our newsletter... Like I said, there will be some com- some things coming up before the end of the year in the newsletter, so please make sure you sign up if you haven't. And we're very careful not to spam people, so uh, you know there's no risk there. We're not going to sell your email. It's only for our use, and we're even careful about that uh, with that. Sometimes a little too careful. I think we need to communicate with our folks a little bit more. <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. But you get 10% off your first order if you sign up for the newsletter, so head on out to vegetarian it's what is it vegetarianzen.com forward slash shop yes. to get your veg zen swag on yes all right let's get into the main episode dr Tumi johnson is an integrative holistic medical doctor she's board certified in internal medicine and is also a diplomat of the american board of integrative holistic medicine Dr. Johnson graduated from Vanderbilt University Medical School, receiving the honor of her school's Kaufman Prize in Medicine for, this is really cool, Humaneness and Unselfish Service in Medicine. That is so cool. She completed her medical residency at NYU with a focus on internal medicine primary care, receiving special training in psycho... 
uh, let's see, psychosocial health care at the time. As a physician, Dr. Johnson has worked in many clinical settings. She's, she was made assistant professor of medicine at NYU in 2011, a graduate of the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. She's also an expertise in nutrition with past experience, running a weight management clinic in New York and serving in West Africa with doctors without borders to oversee nutrition clinics. That's so awesome. That is so cool. She has also done medical volunteer work in the Amazon, Haiti, and Kenya, among other places. Dr. Johnson has been a consistent yoga practitioner for over 20 years and completed yoga teaching training with Yoga Works in 2012. She's also a dancer and creates and performs her healing poem dances around the world. These dances are crafted and performed by Dr. Johnson with the intention of supporting the healing processes of whoever watches, witnesses the movement. Very nice. So without further ado, let's bring on Dr. Toomey Johnson. Okay, welcome to the show, Toomey. Thank you, Vicki, and thank you, for, and thank you, Larissa, for having oh. me. Yeah, we're glad to have you. So we wanted to start out by talking about your book, Delicious Healing, which I mentioned to you when we had a bit of a, uh, an opportunity to, to chat before we actually started uh, recording. I am not a fast reader, but I read your book in three days <laughs> because there was so many things that resonated with me uh, in your book. And I thought maybe we could start, if it's okay with you, me at the very beginning, you talk about a near-death experience that you had. And I think it's so important. And first of all, thank you for sharing that because I, I think that's a very vulnerable place or vulnerable thing to talk about, especially in a book. But I think it is so important because it really does, it really is the catalyst, I think, for, for your work, your subsequent work. And, and that's why I think a lot of these experiences when we're going through them are so difficult, but they can lead to, to bigger things and, and actually more positive things where you're actually making a, a, an impact. Um, would you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, I would be, I would be happy to. So, you know, I, the near-death experience, to be clear, to maybe listeners who are, are listening, is that to say that um, the near-death experience was almost at my hand, right? You can have near-death experiences from car accidents or something terrible that happens to you. And this happened because I tried to take my life. And um, for a long time, I had a lot of shame around my depression and my um, my attempt to leave this life, basically. And this is kind of how this book was birthed, was that I was, it really came to me through meditation, really, that this book needed to be written. And this was 15 years, uh, 16 years after my near-death experience. And what was very clear to me, I was resisting it because it came so clear, this needs to be written. And I was resisting it because of ego, because I was just thinking, how could I share that? You know, here I am as a doctor, I'm trying to help people feel better. How will they see me if they know that um, I got so low or I tried this? And what came so clearly also to me as the answer was that this experience and what happened from this experience 
has been a huge part of the medicine that I offer to others. Um, to be able to look at someone and hear their experience of pain, whatever that might be, going through cancer, going through some other disease, going through abuse, going through the vast array of health challenges people do, part of my ability to really be able to look at them with such empathy is because I have been in a place of feeling so low. Um, and I think you said it really beautifully is I think that we can have these experiences in life and we can look at them as being dead ends or spiraling. And I definitely have had the experience of spiraling that led me to this point, or we can see them as being an incredible springboard for making a change. Because I will share with you that when I was on that hospital bed, I got to the point where I said, okay, here I am still alive, but I know that to really live, I need to completely change some things. And so it really helped me to completely change my life, to have finally the, the, the guts really and the courage to look at my life and say, what is not working here? Because clearly something wasn't working. And as I write in the book, I think it's when your ego completely drops away when you're so vulnerable, when you're literally naked or stripped down in whatever way that looks like, when all that falls away, that's when you can really offer up your truest prayer, your truest intention, and really make some changes. And you don't have to get there. You don't have to get so down there. But to offer to anybody who's felt that sense of despair, to know that that can be actually an incredible catalyst, as you said, for healing. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I really appreciate also how you talk about identifying you know, where you really had to look at what was getting you to that point. And you have a quote in the book that I, I underlined and starred and highlighted, I think, mm -hmm. that said, uh, I was a dancer who wasn't dancing. Hmm. And I love that because I think that, to me, it felt like you were really trying to get at some of the underlying causes of your issues. What, what was making you so unhappy? Um, yes. is, that, is that accurate to say that? Absolutely. And I think that is, you know, when I work with clients and patients, a lot of it for me as a holistic integrative doctor is looking at the underlying reason for why this quote unquote disease is happening in the first place, because the body and disease happens as a way for the body to communicate with you that something isn't working. And my depression was no different. So I had, I had the skills and the intuition by that point to say, okay, something is not working here. And I also went through, through therapy, which was wonderful for me. And therapy also helped me to, to really understand that that is part of the healing process, looking and seeing what isn't working. And, you know, part of the, the, the underlying the entomology, the word root of healing is also connected to the word whole. So for healing, when we're healing, we are trying to be, we're working towards being whole. And I love that because part of what was part of my depression, um, and there were many, many different factors, but one real factor was I didn't feel like a whole person. And 
part of that had to do with the fact that I wasn't honoring the different parts of me. And a huge part of me, anyone who knows my work now, um, was me as a dancer. Um, I now offer my dance as part of my medicine, as part of my healing work. But back then in medical school, I was stealing a dance class here and there. I knew I loved it, but it didn't feel like it fit in to what I was told a doctor looks like or a medical student looks like. So I wasn't dancing enough. And by doing that, I was denying a very integral part of myself, a very integral part of my medicine and of my gifts. And that wasn't making me whole. And that was part of my sickness. So let me ask you this question. Why do you think that more doctors don't embrace this holistic healing approach? Mm -hmm. I I have had some very good doctors and some not very good doctors over the years, over my 50 years. And, uh, you know, most recently, and I'm going to open up a little bit here too about a personal experience. Uh, In 2016, and most of our listeners know this, I was involved in a car accident that I had a pretty serious, significant injury. And at that time, I had been training for a half marathon. So obviously, I was not, I I, uh, completely ruptured my Achilles tendon. And Mm. um, I was obviously not able to run that half marathon, which was very depressing for me because I am an athlete. Natu- I, I am just a natural. I love working out. It's never really been that big of a deal to me unless or hard for me unless I've made it hard for myself. But I do enjoy exercising. So I was very depressed about that. And it took a couple of years. I mean, it took a year to heal. But that kind of started me. And then some significant things happened after that that kind of got me very ang- anxious and also to some level depressed, I think. Mm-hmm. And I went to one of my primary doctor recently, who's a very good doctor. She's been very helpful in a lot of respects to me. But one of the things when I mentioned my anxiety was she immediately said, well, you know, I can give you something for that. And yeah. that to me, I, I, I'm, that's, and, and that's not to say, again, I, I really respect her as a doctor, but that seems to be the automatic default for so many doctors. And I'm just wondering why, you know, and I said, I, I declined. I said, you know, I really don't want that. I want to figure out what's going on because mm. there are some things I, I just turned 50. Maybe it's just a culmination of things in, in my 40s. I lost several very close friends to me uh, who died of cancer and other diseases. So I said, there's a reason I'm depressed or I'm getting depressed or feeling this way. And I really want to get to that. I don't want to just mask it by taking a pill. So again, I, I, uh, but I wonder why getting back to your point is why more doctors don't embrace this holistic, this way of looking at you and trying to get to the underlying causes, as you mentioned. Great, great question, Vicky. And I have a couple of thoughts around that. Trust me, I've been thinking about it for many years. I am privileged to know some incredible doctors who I trained with in medical school and residency and who I'm, who are dear friends of mine who definitely, um, even if they're not practicing it, because one of the reasons is a lot of them feel out of their element to, to do that. They don't feel like they've been trained in that for many reasons. Medical school didn't offer that to them. Um, so they feel like it's out of their element, but you know, they'll call me and say, Hey to me, what are some natural things I can do for this? So there are definitely doctors out there who are open to it. Um, I'm going to give you, I think actually one of the most, one of the biggest reasons for this. And I think it's a very practical 
but dismaying reason, and that is time. So I have a question for you. How long did you spend in that doctor's office in that appointment? This doctor is actually probably about 30 minutes. And this one okay. is, is good because of that. But I have, <laughs> I know where you were going with that because I have been in some before where you just feel like they're trying to rush you out the door. Absolutely. And, yeah. 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 yeah so and so I, th- think, think about you. So you come to your doctor. So it's a strange thing to say, but I want you to, because this was my reality. And this is part of why I left regular run-of-the-mill practice to, to start my own holistic practice because I could not take seeing my patient for just 20 minutes, which is what I always thought. It was 20-minute visits. Some doctors have 10 to 15-minute visits. Mm-hmm. And you have a patient who then looks at you and says, I'm really going through it. I'm feeling really anxious or I'm super depressed. And you know you've got 10 people out there waiting for you. You have 10 minutes with this patient how do you do it? So a lot of people just pull out the prescription pad because that's what, that's the training they received, pharmacology, knowing the medications. But even if they know, and the studies are out there, and a lot of doctors are aware that psychotherapy helps, that asking, going deeper, asking the story is so important. They just don't have time. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, that's a really big reason. And it doesn't mean, however, that, 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 the, that the answer is they should just give medications. I think looking for creative solutions around that. Um, there are more and more um, things like health teams now in clinics where, you know, I work still sometimes part-time in a clinic. And when I do get 20 minutes for a client or a patient outside of my regular practice, I will still say, okay, you're feeling anxious. And then I'll go out and say, I'm going to need a little bit more time with this patient. You know, I try to then coordinate with a therapist to see them. There are solutions, but it definitely means stepping outside of that, the normal box. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And and to her credit, she, she listened to me. I think she, she wasn't, really pushing it on me. She mentioned it. And then she said, you know, I do have other patients that have said similar things that they didn't just want to do that. So I respect that. You know, she did urge me though to go a different route, which incorporated talking to a therapist at first, Mm -hmm. just to kind of work, see about working through some of that. One of the things, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit, is your own approach. And in the book, you talk about a three-point approach that incorporates Mm -hmm. medicine, nutrition, uh, yoga, and, and mindful movement, which yeah. I, I think a lot of that stuff, for me, the, the latter, well, like I said, I'm usually not into the medicine, but the nutrition and the, and the yoga slash mindful movement is definitely something I think I've been neglecting mm. quite a bit. And, and that's kind of where I wanted to put my focus. But you can, can you tell us a little bit about, let's just say that even I, with, with what I have just described to you, came to you, Yes. Uh, how how would you, how, what does that look like? How would you start? The- Great question. Great question. So just to clarify, when I talk about medicine, I talk about diagnostic medicine. So that's actually not necessarily prescribing pharmaceutical medications. It's actually more about, when I say diagnostic medicine, I mean getting 
um, information. And I love things like blood work and tests because they just give an idea, a part of the picture, what might be going on inside. So for example, someone comes to me and says, I'm feeling really anxious. I get palpitations. I'm going to be interested, interested in their thyroid levels. What's your TSH or T4, your thyroid hormones? Um, because hyperthyroidism is one cause for these palpitations. Most patients, and there are some other symptoms I can look at, but that's a diagnostic medicine part. I want to hear your story. I want to hear when this happened, how long it's been happening, what your triggers are. And anyone, when I work in clinic now, and definitely all my clients who work with me in in my private holistic practice know and are so used to this now, I want your food diary. In fact, when I'm in clinic, the, my, my assistant knows to just go in and say, just go ahead and write down everything you ate for the past 24 hours and drank because Dr. Johnson's going to want that. <laughs> They're just used to it now because absolutely what we are taking in has physiologic chemical effects on our bodies. And if you're somebody who's taking caffeine every single day, best believe, best believe you are putting yourself at high risk for having things like palpitations and anxiety. Well, there and you so, go. You just diagnosed yeah. it mind. <laughs> I was going to say, uh-oh, I think we're in trouble. <laughs> you know, and so and there, there's, that's just one very common example. So looking at the food, I look at nutrition. I want to know what your stresses are in your life. I want to, I want to hear your story. Um, I want to know what you do for stress management. What is your exercise? What does your movement practice look like? How do you take things down a notch when you need to, or do you at all? How much time do you spend on the screen? A lot of time on the screen. A lot of time, <laughs> right? a lot of time on the screen. Not great nutrition. Yeah, and you know, I think that uh, the nutrition component is is a big thing that's missing from so many, uh, uh, you know, doctors' approaches. Is that that's just not something that's really considered. Uh, and you know, we're being having the podcast for the past five years. We've come to to realize that that is actually a huge component. I mean, even in things like uh, uh, depression and yes. anxiety. I mean, it's definitely a component. Absolutely, you got it. Um, I think. I believe more and more doctors are waking up to that. Now, some people, again, still feel out of, their, out of their element. So they'll refer their patients to a nutritionist. Some, you know, unfortunately, I think still not enough. Right. So the food, food is something that we are taking in three, four, five times a day, depending on who you are. And it's having an effect every single time. And and possibly a cumulative effect on all your organ systems. And it's something that clearly needs to be looked at when you are thinking about healing. Yeah, I, I, we know that that is definitely a component for us. And I think another thing that we've more recently started to incorporate again, that I think we both have started to feel good about is movement. Uh, and that we talk about exercise. And, you know, one of the things I love about the book is every chapter starts with a poem that you wrote, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And every chapter ends with a dance. And uh, that's awesome. So you have a YouTube channel where I was able to check out some of those as well. And uh, Larissa and I were talking because about exercise and we're very different when it comes to movement because I, as I mentioned, I've always, I always have seen exercise as something fun except when I've made it hard for myself, meaning that I make myself get on the treadmill versus going and shooting baskets, which is what I really want to do, which is actually probably even better. I mean, as far as 
working out my whole body. But I, we get it ingrained in our head that exercise has to look a certain way. Yeah. Right. And we do that to ourselves. And I know in the book, you also talk about some of your friends saying, trying to just kill time on the treadmill. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, use the, I use the bike as a, a time to read uh, you know, my, my fiction, my Stephen King books. That's, that's what I use it for because, because I hate it so much. And I, you know, I honestly say that I really hate it. And uh, something that you said in, in your, your book just really hit me hard because it was just so so me. So you, you mentioned that, um, because yeah, I am one who, who really hates exercise. Um, and that's, you know, that's one of the things with, uh, Vicky and, and me is that she loves it. And I really, really don't. Um, but one of the things that you said is that talking about how in school, uh, sports and PE and, and, you know, gym class in school, how it can be so stressful. Mm-hmm. And that was exactly my experience because when I was, when I was a kid, I was not really coordinated. I didn't enjoy sports. I wasn't good at it. Um, and then, you know, all of the other issues that, that go on with kids in school, gym class was so stressful for me. And it just put me in a place where, Anything related to sports or exercise, I just grew to really fear, you know, and despise. And it, it's been hard to get out of that mindset. I'm 47. I'll be 47 next week. And, you know, I, I still have that mindset. So I go to the gym because I know I need to go to the gym, but it's not fun for me. I'm so glad you shared that, Larissa. And it's funny because you started by saying, you know, Vicky loves exercise and I don't. And I would say that Vicky's just found the two things. Vicky's found the exercise or the way of movement that brings her joy. And for at least one, which is basketball from what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. And I would say for you, Larissa, you have, and this is so common, and that's why I included it in the book, a wound and trauma really around um, competitive exercise, because that's what it kind of looks like in school, really. Right. It's this whole staged thing of who wins, who loses. Um, it, can, it can get really uh, crazy and a little bit violent, actually, for some people. And we take that on and we believe that that's what exercise looks like. Yes. And so I think that, and I write this in the book, I believe we are all movers. All of us were literally tumbling in our mother's wombs when we were, when, before we were even born. We are movers. We have the limbs to do that. We, have, we know that we get ill if we don't move. Ergo, we are movers. And I think the big thing is finding how to move and releasing maybe words like exercise or even words like workout if they don't work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I would say with, for example, with you, Larissa, or anyone who's saying, well, I just don't know what exercise is. One thing is, if you're able to think about how you played as a child, preschool, like before those competitive sports, what did you enjoy doing? Was it bicycling? Was right. it walking through the woods? Whatever it might be. Was it swimming? And if that, if that doesn't come to you as easily, then I, one thing I suggest is, experimenting experiment with an openness and a confidence that just with practice i think confidence is a muscle practice that again you are a mover you just have to find out which one it is so maybe not group classes although you can start with that but maybe going to um group classes can be fine. I think it depends on the feeling you're getting, going to places where you feel like there's a nurturing environment, but even maybe starting with more solo 
practices like going for walks or going for a swim, if that's available to you, uh, ice skating, roller skating, things you may not necessarily think of as working out, but you're definitely going to get a great workout um, right. or great exercise. Playing with that and having that mentality also, that philosophy of play. Because one thing also just to say and to, to, to go off what Larissa, you were saying about reading on the bike, the issue I find with people who do exercise but don't enjoy it is I think it sets, and I've seen it in my patients and clients, it can set you up for injury because you're not mindful while you're doing that movement. And then I think it's just it's just an opportunity lost because part of exercise is that release of endorphins and feeling good and also feeling more embodied, right? More in your body. So if you are reading while you're exercising, what are you doing when you're eating? What are you doing when right. you are with a loved one? I say this not in any way of blame and shame because trust me, I've been there, mm -hmm. but more to empower us actually to understand that many things that we do, we do in very, in, in other settings. So the way that the, the, the saying can go, the way you do one thing is the way you do a lot of things, right? So if you're reading while you're exercising, or a lot of, I see this all the time in the gym, right? People are on the treadmill, they're watching TV mm -hmm. and then they are like, they're kind of trip over. That, yeah. that, that, <laughs> right. That distraction, that not being, you're being disembodied, you're disembodied. You're literally not breathing enough and you're not taking oxygen. You're not aware of what's feeling, what feels tense. So oh, that's interesting. What's that from? Right. And then you bring that maybe to other practices like food, like meal times, And then that continues. Right. You know, when you said about her just not finding her play, the exercise or the movement that brings her joy. And you said that I had, you're, you're absolutely right. Because I think about, uh, and I think you do talk about this in your book also, where you say combining some of the things such as meditation, mindfulness, visualization, uh, nature into maybe exercise and movement. I enjoyed so like when I was training for the half marathon, I was spending a lot of time outdoors and it was very meditative to me. And I had music on, but music was is one of those things that brings me joy. When you and I talked before our interview today, I had mentioned to you that when I heard your quote or read your quote that said I'm a dancer who wasn't dancing, I told you I was a musician who's not playing. So music mm -hmm. brings me a lot of joy. So when I look at my exercise time is a time to be inside myself as, a, as and this is why I don't actually uh, myself get a lot from group exercises because it's more of a internal solo meditation thing for me so I like things like running solo and and doing the bike solo and things like that because it does help me kind of recenter myself and and kind of incorporating those those uh, elements all into that one is why I think I, I enjoy it so much. So well said. You found, you found, you found the movements that bring you joy. And what I would say to Larissa is understand that there is something that, and probably more than one thing that will bring you joy. And I would just say, play, like get creative, go to different, even, and I would say try the group classes because for some people, and you might be surprised to find you're one of them is that when you go to a group class, albeit of course, with a really, and there are more and more of these are really like, um, 
community feel, right? As opposed to this whole idea of competition. You know, I think this is why Zumba took off. It's, it's, it's people coming together and they're dancing, but they're all cheering each other on. It's not a sense of competition. It's a sense of community. That's just one example. But I think there are more and more group classes where you get this sense of, you know, my posse's with me. You know, I mean, I know these people, but we get in this class together and we're, we're there together. So, so surprise yourself, go to different things and play. And I think and I love what you just said, Vicky, and I, I do talk about that, the using other elements of, of healing, nature and meditation um, to bring into your, your movement practice, I think just is synergistic. So walking on a treadmill versus walking, you know, outside in a, in a beautiful trail with the sun on your skin and the wind through your hair just takes it, can take it up a notch, especially for somebody who gets solace from nature. So playing with all of those. One of the things I wanted to make sure we talked about, because you called this the heart of the book, and that's chapter five about honoring mm. and release. And you talked a little bit about this when you were explaining to Larissa, maybe about how she can think about exercise and trying to get rid of some of those pre-existing uh, thoughts she has about exercise and negative experiences she has with it. Can you talk a little bit about chapter five? Because I think it is really important. I think for you to call this and really say it's the heart of the book, I think that's 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 big. So I just wanted to hear maybe your thoughts on on this. Thank you so much for bringing that up. I think a lot of people don't actually ask me about that. And I do believe it's the heart because that's, it's, it's all about emotions. And I, I had to include that because that was such a huge part of my journey. And more and more, as I see um, with now my, I don't know, 15 year experience now as a physician, I just see it so clearly more and more when people are trying to make healthy changes. A lot of people know what they want to do. They want to eat better. They want to exercise more. Um, they want to quit the cigarettes or the alcohol or the binge, the binge whatever, um, binge shopping, whatever it is. What I found so many times is you can have that intention and you can really try and you can try and you try and you're doing it. And maybe you, you go day three, day five, you go day 60. And then there's the whole proverbial falling off the wagon. And almost always what I found to be one of the main reasons for this is that when you are cleaning up your life, so to speak, when you're eating better, when you are living healthier, you clear this path for emotions to come up. That's, that's especially, this will happen, you want to see this in really practical senses, try a five-day food detox, healing detox. Like, <laughs> your stuff will come up, right? Mm -hmm. And um, what happens with most people, with many people, is they are just like, what do I do with this? And the body, primal, our primal urge a primal instinct, and it's a very protective, loving instinct, is to keep us from feeling pain. So when those feelings come up, they feel really painful. They can be trauma from childhood, trauma from a past, recent, or remote relationship, whatever. Hard feelings that you're all of a sudden having about your boss or your, or your career path or your relationship, and you're like, whoa, what do I do with this? And you're feeling a lot of pain or a lot of discomfort. Your body, a lot of times, or your mind, maybe it's better said, does what it's known to do. And it tries to comfort through the coping mechanisms that you know. Mm -hmm. And 
I say that I want to be clear about, I'm so glad you brought this up because I've heard a lot of people say, well, I must really hate myself because, you know, I really wanted to eat better. And day five, I binged out on Ben and Jerry's. And I'll say, well, tell me a little bit more about that. Before the binge, what was happening? Well, you know, I started thinking about this thing and it's this painful thing. And then they went for Ben and Jerry's. And that is, again, your body, your mind, your, your, yourself trying to protect yourself from pain, from pain. And this is why I spent this whole chapter on emotion honoring, because it wasn't until I was able to look at my emotions or look at the emotions, because I think part of the emotion practice is disattaching and disattaching and not trying to over-identify with emotions. They're just emotions, anger, jealousy, right? Having it come up. And then finding ways of releasing, whether it's through exercise, whether it's through journaling, there's a thing called scream therapy, maybe some combination of the above. Crafting an emotion honoring and release practice, I think, is so key, especially if you're somebody who finds that you keep getting stuck or keep having day one, day one, day one happen over and over again because you can't let go of that habit that is helping you cope, albeit in a way that's not um, constructive. Yeah, one of the questions you you pose in your in this chapter that I really love because I do think about this quite a bit is you ask you say to ask yourself the question why is this happening for me? Yes. And I, I really love that question because even even as I mentioned to you before this call, we were having some technical difficulties with our with our software and all of you know that before this interview and. I normally get very anxious. That's a trigger time for me as I'm thinking, you know, I get triggered. And uh, I even told Larissa, I said, you know, I think the reason this even happened was because we're meant to upgrade to the software so we can do more <laughs> interviews, you know, nice. that's trying to, even things like that, yes. uh, I think are helpful because rather than things, if you uh, always think that ha- things are happening to you, not for you, that's a whole different mindset. Because, you know, because it, it's very easy to say, why is this happening to me? But rather, a, a much more reflective way to look at that is to say, what's happening for me? Why did this happen? You know, I lost my job in February. I was laid off from my 20-year corporate job and invested so much time into the company. And, you know, it was, it was a good company, but businesses change. And, and one of the things I think that helped me come to peace with that whole transition was to ask myself this exact question. This is, this is the universe, a reset button for me. I turned 50 this year. This hmm. what's in this for me. There's something in this for me. I and, love that. Yeah. And so I where that. I can't really landed on that was this is the universe's op, uh, way of giving me an opportunity to reset a lot of things in my life that I felt that maybe I had wanted to explore that hadn't explored uh, in, in the previous position that I was in. When we, when we look at things from the mindset, and that's perfectly put, I think it's mindset. When we look at things from the mindset of why is this happening to me, we automatically put ourselves into the victim role. And we put ourselves into the idea of, into the role of being completely powerless in our lives. And even more than powerless, victimized. And when we start asking the question, why is this happening for me? I love, I love the term you just said, the universe reset button. I think when we ask that question, there's this beautiful trust that our lives 
And, and what I'm about to say can trigger a lot of people because people have gone through things that can, they can feel unspeakable, a tragedy and um, trauma. And sometimes that question can seem like, well, I'm not, I'm not there. I can't, I can't, I can't ask that question. Like how could this thing, um, how could this tragedy have been for me? And all I can, I can share from my life and being honored to work with people, to witness people who've gone through tragedy and unawful things is that asking that question doesn't justify or uh, doesn't justify maybe a trauma happening to you. It doesn't make it necessarily right. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Because I think the other thing that can happen when people start asking that question, it's like, oh, it, feel, it feels like if I ask that question that I'm pretending this didn't happen, that I didn't suffer. That's not what that's about. But when you, can, when you get to the point where you can start asking yourself that question of how is this for me, it's this incredible feeling of I am supported. I am supported by universe, by spirit, by my, my own spirit, by God, whatever you resonate with. And it completely is a game changer for your life. Well, and I think that, you know, when you, when you think about something like that, you, you can think about the, the old expression, uh, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Mm. And, you know, I, I kind of, that's, that's the way I look at a lot of things that, that I've dealt with, uh, as far as physical issues and, and mental issues is that I'm still here. And I feel like I'm so much stronger than I was, you know, uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, even five years ago. And I think that, I mean, to me, that's, that feels helpful. It, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't negate anything that happened to me or yes. that I've been through or, there, or that I felt, but I feel like, you know, I got through that and, um, you know, I still deal with, with things that come up from time to time, but I feel stronger for it. I, I think, that. yeah, I think that's a great point. And having been, Larissa and I have been together for 17 years now. And, mm -hmm. and one of the things I definitely have seen in her is just knowing so much about how she grew up and some of the challenges she had is how that I, I'm a observer on the outside, able to see some of how she's taken those experiences into the person she is today for the, for the positive. I mean, obviously there are some things that we're all still challenged with from past traumas, but I think there are, there's definitely a different way to, to look at that as well. And, and I really do appreciate you clarifying that because I can see how that can be triggering to me for some people. When you say, if you just go, you know, your, your spouse just died and you say, why is this happening for me? That's not probably. <laughs> They're probably not ready. They're probably not there yet. Yeah. Not there yet. So I, I totally get that. Uh, that that way of you have to be careful with that. But I think, like I said, in an example of where I lost my job, it would have been so easy for me to just curl up in a ball and say, you know, I I was in my twenties when I started there, almost fifty when I was let go, and this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. And why is this happening to me? And it was it would have been so easy to do that in that situation as opposed to just trying to really trying to work through this in my own head to say what's what can I take from this yes. I'm still here like Larissa said guess what I'm still here so I'm gonna have I'm gonna deal with this <laughs> and you know it seems like the older I get the more it just kind of makes me say you know I'm still here. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know, to myself and to other people. Larissa's confronting the universe. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm still here. 
<laughs> you knock me down, I keep getting back up. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> but that, you know, but that that's to myself as much as it is to the universe. That's, you know, mm. saying you're still here. What are you doing about it? Mm. Oh, that's powerful. So uh, before we close out to me, I really wanted to give you an opportunity to let our uh, community know how they can get in touch with you. We were going to have a link to your book in our show notes, but definitely, yeah, I know you have a website. And as I mentioned, you also have a YouTube channel, which we'll also link to. What's the easiest way if people had questions for you or they just want to learn mm-hmm. more about you to get a hold of you? That's a great. So I would say definitely the website, which you'll link www.drjimmyjohnson.com is great, kind of a nice landing site to see a lot of the offerings. And then on YouTube, I share my dance, my healing dances, as well as holistic health tips. And I do a video every week. So that's kind of a nice way of kind of checking in about what I'm offering in terms of that around veganism, and um, a more plant-based living and tips on how to do that, as well as other other things, the holistic health route. Um, so YouTube is a great way to find me. And the link for that or my channel name is The Poem Dances, all one word, The Poem Dances. Instagram also, I'm, I'm there and you can find and, and reach out to me through there. Same name the poem dances and there I usually share some dance clips as well as again holistic health tips and those are probably the three best ways to to reach out to me okay that's great and you know you just reminded me there was another favorite quote of mine I've had so many highlights in this book Um, it was a quote you said the further away from the further away people are from natural whole natural whole foods diet the sicker they are that is so true Thank you for for saying that quickly at the end, just to say, because I think we can get really into these labels, which is why I kind of, when I said veganism, I kind of use some other terms because I think a lot of these labels can scare people off. They may have had some bad experiences with people who label themselves as such. and, And I like just to keep it simple. And I think whatever you want to label yourself as or not, just recognizing that as we are in, in putting in this biggest strategy, I would say the keep, keep it simple route, just put in more and more whole nutrient dense foods, plant foods in your diet. And it really over the longer, long term, that will help so many things in terms of knowing how to eat and what to eat. Having just that as your strategy, I think is one of the best ways to move forward with diet. Yeah, I think that's great advice because one of the things I have realized for myself as I've really started to focus on my diet again is that the more I natural whole foods I put in my diet, the less room I have for the processed stuff. Yep. I just don't feel that hunger, that craving. And usually after the processed stuff, I don't feel satisfied anyways because I think my body's going, all right, you just pretty much ate paper. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get something real in here. <laughs> so, yes. so, yeah, I definitely, I yes. love that quote because I, I think that's so true. And, and we make a habit now to really keep a lot of accessible whole foods uh, in the house. And we've taken a lot of those processed things out that are so easy for us to, 
to lean on when we're just, mm-hmm. you know, it's so easy. I mean, that's so easy. But I really like, you know, no, another reason why we had you on the show is because your vibe, and we talked about this a little bit, is just so in line with a lot of our community where you were just saying about labels. And I, I mentioned to you that our group and why we formed Vegetarians and was because, uh, you know, there's a lot of great resources out there, but there's also some resources where people tend to feel judged. And mm-hmm. we, we like to joke that we get a lot of the refugees from other groups that come over <laughs> that are like, ah, I was just mocked on another place, you know, because I asked this question and I didn't know this was not vegan or I didn't know. And it's, you know, we're we're so against uh, labels. We really, really try not to. We our community. We've had we have people in our in the vegetarians and um, community that have been vegans for over you know twenty, thirty, forty years in some cases, and some that are just looking to have a meatless Monday, you know, right. and they're just trying to incorporate that or trying to get their family more towards natural whole foods. And we re- really want to welcome them all because I think if if you start to put labels or make people feel bad, they're just going to give up and they don't want to, you know, be part of that. And they're more liable to shut down versus trying to invite them to our natural whole foods table. Yeah. I love it. Well, and you know, if, if, if you're on Facebook, we'd invite you to, uh, to join the pizza and carrots uh, group also, because I think that, you know, um, our, our, um, community would love to to see you and, and meet you and get to know you that way and um I, you know i it's just such a great active community i would be honored I awesome would be honored. i'll definitely Absolutely. send you a, a link to that also thank you well to me we have greatly enjoyed having you on the show i'm so glad you you reached out to us and i really appreciate uh the book again there will be a, a link in our show notes to the book. It is an amazing book and I would highly recommend it. So thank yes. you so much for being on the show to me. Thank you. Thank you. Just to say really quickly before we head off, I just, uh, you were talking a little bit about the community, your community. And I just um, want to say thank you for, because to me, that's part of the healing uh, for the world is what you guys have created, which is a safe space for people to explore their healing journey. And that cannot be overemphasized is that there just needs to be more of those spaces. And for you guys to have done that for people is really, really beautiful. So thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank okay, you. Okay, Tumi, talk to you soon. Okay, much love. Take care. All right. That was such an amazing interview. I had such a great time talking to Tumi. And, you know, we we don't do a whole lot of interviews, although that will be changing. We, we're hoping to bring more people onto the show. But because our peas and carrots requested it, they want more, more, more people, which is awesome. And because you guys have got to be getting sick of us after five and a half years. <laughs> no, the feedback we got was actually, they said they were, very, they loved hearing us talk, but to get different perspectives. And I totally get it. I mean, yeah. you know, this, I, I mean, Dr. T- Dr. Johnson with all she's done. I mean, that's, that's quite the perspective there. Very. And she's so <laughs> laid back and she's so peaceful and uh, just her vibe is so good. And I really hope that, to me, as we we talked about after we we did the interview, uh, if you're in the area ever, uh, please let us know. We will travel um, South Texas area, Austin. We will travel because we would love to meet you in person. That would be amazing. Uh, as we mentioned, our resources for this week will be all of the resources that we just mentioned in Dr. Johnson's uh, in the last part of our interview. We talked about ways you can reach out to her. 
her YouTube channel where you can see some of these amazing dances. If you get the book, you, there's like a QR code in the book that you just, I guess, scan that and it opens it right up to that particular right. dance that ends each chapter of her book. So just amazing. We feel very blessed to have been hooked up with her. So thank you, Dr. Johnson, for coming on the show. And we look forward to keeping in touch with you. Definitely. Until next time. Peace out. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Vegetarian Zen. We've created a free resource for you to show you five ways to sneak more fruits and veggies into your diet. You can download it right now by visiting vegetarianzen.com. Until next time, wishing you a happy body and a healthy mind.